Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talents and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground? There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Protect it from both the outside and inside of your organization. Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Brandology. Uh, your host, David Morrow, uh, here in the studio with Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you? Hello, hello. Doing well. Thank you. Good. So in our studio, we have uh, excellent guest, Katie Conrad. Katie, how are you? Welcome. I'm, I'm doing good. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm excited. Oh, that's great. So... Um, it, Explain to the listeners kind of what you're doing and and who you work for and what all you guys do. Okay, sure. So basically, I am the team lead for the Conrad Lending team. Really original in the name there at Union Home Mortgage. We originate mortgages, help people get into homes, and refinance. Okay, so and it's the it's the Conrad team. So you Conrad did a lot Lending of, team. Conrad Lending team. You did a lot of market research on that name. And you, so you, I like found all the different like prism <laughs> was taken, synergy was taken, and you went with Conrad. Uh, so actually, my logo and my team name. Um, I have a very dear friend that's in marketing. Um, she was actually on MTV's Buck Wild, transitioned completely out of that field into marketing, and she well, actually that's did, a whole podcast in and of itself. Yeah, that's we'll a, have to introduce you guys, but it's a market. She did a market market data research for us. She you know tested it in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, where we're licensed. They liked it. They liked the logo the best, um, the way that it's currently set up. So that's why we're using what we use. It was likable and trustable, and that's you know pretty integral for our brand. Well, that's true. And plus, it's it, that's a great point, actually, when you're talking about branding, right? Because they're able to recognize you as the CEO of that team, right? You are the you are the leader of that brand, right? And they're able to, and so you created your own logo, everything. Yeah, so our thing. company's super groovy. Um, they let us use our own logos uh, adjacent to theirs, you know, and we put that on everything, and um, it definitely is recognizable. I mean, all of our realtors, business partners know the logo, know the name. Well, sure. And I see realtors do that as well, right? Because mm -hmm. there's, because otherwise it's kind of commoditized, right? There's so many that kind of do it part-time or they do it whatever, but then there are those that really excel, which is part of the reason why you're here. And there's those that have really built a good brand. Right. And I feel like, you know, when you look at logos, a lot of them use the exact same Thing, basically just kind of meshed up a little bit. We didn't want a house roof line. I right. hate that. I'm so over that. We wanted right. something 
a little different. And I consider myself a dual citizen of West Virginia, Pennsylvania. My husband and I met in West Virginia, went to West Virginia University, um, lived in Morgantown, West Virginia for nine years. Then we relocated for his job to Pittsburgh where I grew up. And that's why we wanted to kind of combine both of those elements. My team lead is amazing. She's been in mortgage for four or five years and she's actually in Morgantown. So we needed something that kind of represented everybody. Oh, that's great. That's excellent. Yeah, our, our, our territory uh, stretches into that area as well. And then we cover all of it, you know, Indiana, half of Illinois, and then all of Kentucky. Right. So, right. yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. So you grew up in Pits, uh, Pittsburgh? Mars, Pennsylvania. I live there now. And oh. then um, we were in Morgantown for nine years. My husband grew up in Germany. His family had met when um, his dad was in the Army married German woman, moved to West Virginia, and that's kind of how we met. So. Oh, wow, that's, great. that's interesting. Yeah. That's excellent. And I'm curious, in the mortgage business, um, how, did you, how did that happen? Maybe what was there something in your career? Was there something as a child that you thought, yeah, that's what I want to be? Was there somebody that, that guided you that direction? How'd you end up in the business? Uh, great and funny kind of story. <laughs> so um, I always wanted to um, be a nurse. Then I realized I have no tolerance for sick people. I give nurses all the credit in the world. My sister's a nurse. I was like, oh, maybe I'll try teaching. Uh, realized that I'm not the greatest with children, so I should not do that either. And then one of my friends, I was like, oh, I need to write, so I'll try journalism. My friend's like, well, you're not bad looking. You should try broadcast. Yeah, so I got into radio, and I was recruited from radio with the lure of no longer making $24,000 a year. You can make $24,000 in a month. And I was like, see ya. So yeah. after five yeah. years in the radio industry, I was like, I want to do something more lucrative, you know, be able to give back um, to my family, get involved with different charities. We do do some different things and, you know, just live a better quality life. That's great. You know, how, how did you first get into it? Like how, what, what was it that drove you to mortgages as opposed to um, getting out of the entertainment business? A LinkedIn message. Really? burned out. That's cool. Working seven days a week for $24,000 a year. <laughs> and now I just work seven days a week, you know, for um, a higher income. But I mean, I've always loved interacting with the public. That's why I did radio. I love doing remote broadcast. Um, I honestly felt I was on a top 40 radio station. I was really feeling like my life didn't have purpose, you know, talking about celebrity gossip day in and day out. Um, I felt kind of fake. Um, so I was no, like, you know, this get is out. Celebrity <laughs> gossip, fake? Come on. Yeah, I mean, it just got old. Next you know, thing you're really... going to tell me, Katie, is that wrestling is fake. Don't you go there. Don't tell <laughs> us that. I don't watch any TV, actually. Yeah, no. Don't, um, don't worry. But, basically, you know, I just wanted to do something more and I felt like this was a great purpose. I mean, there's an end goal. Everyone's so happy when they buy a new home, typically, um, you know, part of the American dream. It's part of the American dream. Yeah, if you're refinancing, you're helping someone's monthly in versus monthly out. You're saving them money. That feels really good and it gives you a deeper purpose. Whereas, you know, um, talking about Whitney Houston for three months after she died and got in a bathtub, not really that great feeling. So right. that's kind of how we moved and how I stuck in it. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying this episode. We try and make this a podcast which we ourselves want to listen to. We want it to be good. We welcome suggestions, ideas for topics, or even suggested guests to be interviewed. Help us make this something great. 
Imagine all the work you do every day being featured on a podcast which really emphasizes the meaning of why you do what you do. Something shining a spotlight on all of your effort. This is that place. This is that podcast. Reach out to our team with suggestions or if interested in advertising at brandologypodcaststaff at gmail.com. Brandologypodcaststaff at gmail.com for details. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And now back to the episode. That's great. You know, you talked about um, some charities and some other things that you're kind of passionate about right now. What, what kind of initiatives are you working on right now that you're passionate about? So my husband's really big into seed, um, that's C-E-D, and that they drill water wells for children in Africa. Um, so we donate some money to that. He actually wants to go to Africa and actually dig a water well. Um, we also partake in our Union Home Mortgage Foundation here. I donate money out of every paycheck. We go to their galas, we go to their events. Um, and that's great. You know, we just kind of pick and choose random other charities. Like we also just recently donated to the um, United Negro College Foundation. So we thought oh. that was a really timely thing to get involved with. It's we kind of just pick and choose. We love them all. Well, yeah. That's really good. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's that's great to hear. That's that's great to hear. What would you say, maybe, if you could, just some insight on? why it is you do what you do? Is there something that drives you every morning to get up? Is there something that's always been a part of you that makes you want to, to move forward or push the needle ahead? Uh, could you maybe elaborate on that? <laughs> so honestly, I really don't feel like I had a solid why until um, January when my husband and I found out that we were expecting. Oh, um, so I'm currently seven months pregnant right now. So I don't know if you but it's there. It's quite <laughs> large. Um, but I feel like that's honestly been a huge driver for me, especially this year. Last year, we had not one closing the entire quarter one. And we still managed to finish the year with a $13.1 million year, which was great. But this year, we're on track to do almost double that. So I just feel like maybe it's the nesting anxiety. But I definitely feel like having children and having a family to support has been a huge motivator for me. Yeah, that's great. That's excellent. So what are what are some of the or let me let me dig dig into that. So you said you felt like you didn't really even have a why before you know that you were gonna that you were expecting. Um, I mean, why do you think that? Why do you think that is? Because I think a lot of people feel that way, or they're looking for a job to give them purpose, as opposed to kind of kind of finding their purpose and then finding a job that'll that'll. Um, confirm that or give them an environment in which they could execute on it no i mean i definitely feel like the purpose thing was something that we kind of had to soul search for both my husband i mean we were all, i'll be completely honest with you we were on the verge of divorce last year um you know just just basically both trying to find ourselves i mean transitioning from being a young 20 year old going out drinking with your friends and um you know making a bunch of money is great but why are you doing it Right. You know, what are we saving for? What are we working so hard for? Um, yeah, after and this the year, thrill I think, is gone. Like after the thrill is gone. Like yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, it's not that cool anymore. 
Yeah, right. Like, that like, one, like, that, that's what I always say about this. And it's in, and I still, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's what we always say about this is, is you don't have to ask yourself these questions, but eventually the thrill is going to be gone and you're going to start asking yourself these questions. It's ultimately going to come down to why am I still here? Why do I keep doing this? You know what I mean? It's, it's that it's what causes midlife crises, right? It's, yeah. it's, it, that's the reason why it's not a, you know, a uh, good looking coworker or anything like that. It's about why do people do what they do and, and, and are they in the role that they need to do, right? It's not about getting that sports car, right? It's, it's, that's the reaction, the knee jerk reaction some people have sometimes when they realize they haven't figured that out, right? And life is, keeps going by and they've got to figure that out. Yeah, mater- I mean, my husband and I both grew up, you know, super, um, super poor, <laughs> I want to say. Like, there were days where I couldn't even take a hot shower before school because we couldn't afford to turn the gas on. Um, you know, and those material things only fill the void so much. Um, so but that's honestly- interesting. So let me, let me, <laughs> let me ask you. That's really interesting. So, and the reason I say that is we have interviewed, we have, I don't know, 15, 20 podcasts that we've done and recorded. And almost 100% of the successful CEOs, team leaders, people that we have on this, they were all, they all came from very, very modest roots. Right. It's not that they wanted to get rich at all. In fact, you hear the opposite. They immediately want to give back. But what they want to do is never go there again. They never want to go, they don't want to have their kids experience that it's like it's it's it's, that's the drive for the monetary aspect but now what do we do about cause and purpose and things like that so i didn't mean to cut you off but that's no you're fine yeah i mean literally i would come home from the bus stop walking home from my neighbors and there'd be a sheriff's cell sign on my front tree posted it's like that's super embarrassing i never want my children to have to go through that and i mean it was no fault of my moms i mean my dad had substance abuse issues and they got a divorce and you know everyone's happier healthier now um but it just, you know, I feel like you need those pivotal moments to decide I'm never going to do this. I've always been super driven, even when I was in radio. I mean, going to a chance to work for um, a field that, you know, can generate more income to support my family, obviously great, but it's not everything. I mean, we I do get passionate about lending. I love, like, analyzing different interest savings and i love you know trying to kind of strategically move things around and make a deal work for a client or make a house work for a client um so i really like the puzzle piece of it as well and you know i would say those combined are my why because i can do things that other people can't that's fantastic. That's good well now that you've now that you've got your why uh now that you've found that so maybe what's what's the future look like for katie what's what's next what what do you have any plans or initiatives in the future so you know we always do goal setting um this year i would love to make our president's club that would be huge for me i don't really care about the the nice plaque or the award i just like to win i do i like to win (laughs) um I know that, you know, another thing that we would love to do, this has nothing to do with the charity per se, is that we want to take our entire family on a vacation, yeah. um, you know, together, do those kind of things. And like I said, I know my husband has big aspirations to go to Africa and do the water well, um, you know, hopefully once international travels open back up. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's, that's good though. That's, I'm glad you, I'm glad you found your why. That's really good. 
Hey everyone, Mark and I are really excited about an upcoming episode with author Dr. Rosie Ward. She's a nationally recognized author. She's an entrepreneur, founder of Salveo Partners, and she's going to discuss with us culture change and leading from any position, regardless of title. She has a new book out called Rehumanizing the Workplace. We're going to explore that. We're going to talk about things about being able to lead even in a remote workforce, um, dealing with micromanagers, as well as uh, how introverts can lead. It's a remarkable episode, and we guarantee that you will absolutely find great value in it. So please don't miss it. Uh, and as always, thanks for listening. Now back to our episode. Is there anything in the past, any one individual, maybe not even the past, maybe recently, that has kind of influenced you or mentored you or given you some inspiration? Yeah. So before I came to my current company and had my current regional manager, um, I felt like I was literally like I had a plate on the floor. I was taking wads of spaghetti and just throwing it and trying to hope <laughs> that it like, would hit. That's a great I mean, visual. <laughs> yeah. Like it was a mess. Um, I would have to give a huge shout out to my regional manager, Rick Cardinale. I mean, he's taught me everything on how to structure a business, how to structure a borrower presentation, um, kind of how to tee up my calls and do my intakes. And, you know, he helped me get in my coaching program that I'm a big part of here at UHM. Um, and that's honestly what's helped grow my business is just having those daily disciplines, those daily theme days. I would have no idea how to come up with that stuff. So I definitely credit him. That's great. That's great. Could you maybe and, tell the listeners yeah. maybe a little bit more about your uh, about the coaching aspect. We're always excited to hear about that. Right. That's exactly what I wanted to ask. Like, what, tell us <laughs> yeah. about your organization now and and who Richard was and what what's that framework that he explained to you. So um, I had an issue with a former um, employer doing some weird things. So we decided to get out of there. Um, they were personal things, you know, don't want to go too much into it. I interviewed with 20 different companies. And one of the biggest reasons why I picked Mean Home Mortgage was because they have an internal coaching program for sales development called Partners Coaching Partners or PCP, not the crazy kind. Um, <laughs> But um, basically, they just teach you how to run a business like a business. I mean, I feel like they're, when I first got into this industry, my, my first employer literally told me to get in the car and drive and don't come back to the office until I have a loan to put in. Oh, that's wow. training. That's some wow. training. Yeah, that's yeah there training. was no training. I mean, it was a complete hot mess. Um, I can't even tell you the loans I butchered. I got fired three times in my first year as a loan officer. Um, not a good situation, but back to the coaching. Um, we do different theme days, different days to call our agents, different days to do pipeline updates, you know, with the borrowers, title companies, both mm -hmm. listing sides, um, keeping in touch with your pre-approvals, doing really nice, um, you know, gifts. We do so many gifts per week, so many thank yous per week. So it's more like servant leadership. Um, my mm -hmm. company is really big into John Maxwell. I think we get a John Maxwell oh, book at wow. every oh, single absolutely. coaching summit. I love that. Um, and, you know, one of our other big books that we love, and I'm actually starting to give these out to all my agents, is The Go-Giver. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't know if you guys have read that one. No, no. no but we'll, what we'll do, it, we'll put a link to it in the in the bio of this episode. And yeah. as well as, a, as well as like your LinkedIn link and the LinkedIn or, or the, the link to your organization. 
Okay, cool. So basically the go-giver just talks about client experience. It's another thing that Rick Cardinelli has drilled in me. Do not say customer service. He hates that. Um, it's about like customer that. experience and you know, you want to have raving fans and you want them to have a world-class experience. It's a union home mortgage motto, Bill Cosgrove's our CEO. Um, and it basically just talks about how, you know, you shouldn't do things because of the benefit for you, but you do it for the benefit of someone else. Um, for example, you know, maybe someone is out there, they want to refinance with you, but you don't have the product they need. Instead of just forcing it to make the deal work to get a paycheck, you know, you would refer it to the person that can do the product that maybe you don't have. So things along those lines. Was your LinkedIn message that you got from a recruiter or was it from a company? Um, it was from a, so it was a retail branch operation and they had reached out to me and lured me literally with, I think I probably still have it. It says somewhere in there like, oh, you can make $10,000 a month. I was making $10,000 every six months. I was like, yeah, let's do it. You <laughs> I got your, got your attention real quick. Yeah. I was basically living paycheck to paycheck, you know, in a one bedroom apartment, you know, so that yeah. was fun. That's exactly right. So, um, yeah, LinkedIn is a very powerful tool, like, especially if you connect, if you, you leverage it right, right. Mm -hmm. If you, if you meet the right people and you actually engage and you're just not like reposting junk, right. And if you like, engage, yes. actually engage in conversations, I've met people from all over the world. We've had people on this podcast that have just been phenomenal. Because I'm, you're in such a competitive industry, right? I mean, right. everybody is right now, but you guys just historically, David and I were both in the industry uh, before the collapse in 08. And how is it, how are you guys able to use technology or what ways maybe are you using technology to, to get your brand out there and to get your message out? So I um, actually was privileged to sit in on a CEO of Quicken Loans. Bill Emerson was interviewed by our CEO at wow. our um, annual partner celebration last year. And it's something that I preach to all my agents too. If you are not branding or advertising in the digital marketing space, like what are you doing? It is <laughs> free, first of all. And, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of bad content out there too, especially on LinkedIn, just to go to back to that for a second. I tell my agents, it's an untapped market. I really see like no real estate agents utilizing LinkedIn the way that they could. I get probably 25% of my closings a year from social media, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Wow, that's yep. impressive. Um, but, you know, that's definitely number one, social media. Number two is, you know, we do everything electronically now. We have a phone app. You can upload your documentation through this phone app. We can message each other through it. Um, texting, email, um, you know, if clients do want to have a face-to-face -face meeting, especially with COVID, we use Ring Central, which is the sister yeah. company to Zoom. Um, we try to make it as easy as possible and be as plugged in as possible. I text way too much. So. <laughs> <laughs> but if, that, if, if it's effective, then it's not too much, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, just being accessible and, you know, having reviews online, doing videos. I mean, I get a ton of new clients that already know, like, and trust me because I do informational videos, you know, and I just don't think people are afraid of what they look like. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like your face is your face. It isn't going anywhere. It's not going to change. Just you can't, go you out can't there change and be it, really. you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
Yeah, you can't change it. It is what it is. So maybe, maybe can you expand a little bit on um, any successes or any good stories you've had from your uh, videos or anything connected with them? Um, the closings are really good. Yeah, so I love to carrot dangle. Um, I do a weekly realtor tip. I haven't been the greatest at it recently because this year um, mortgage volumes up 70% nationwide, every single company, and there's not 70% more of us. Um, yeah, it's a boom for sure. But, um, I just think giving free knowledge to people, giving little tidbits that they can take for their business. Our coaching program can be utilized for realtors too. I love doing lunch and learns. I'm doing one tomorrow via zoom. Um, just giving back free information to people. People want to be able to peel back those layers and look and see like what they're getting into before they get into it. Because no one likes to go into something blind and seem unknowledgeable. Right. Um, right. And I then that builds, that builds your referral network, right? Exactly. So they're all like building blocks that build it up. I mean, we do the same thing. We do lunch and learns all the time. We do, we do cybersecurity awareness trainings. We do cybersecurity policy reviews, security reviews, no cost. We do that to build to, and it's, they're not sales pitches. We do that to train people and to give forward. And then what happens is people know that they can trust us. And then we get referrals, like somebody called because somebody was at a session from whatever. And, you know, it all, it all eventually trickles in. But the point is, is just providing that value up front is, is really a great idea. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, and we've seen your, your tips and stuff. I've seen you, you, you do a lot of that on social media. So that's, that's great work. Yeah, and I feel like whenever you do the hard sale, it's kind of gross, almost like a like I don't want to say. I don't anything think anybody against. wants to ever be sold. I think that's the no. Thing. I don't but want to be sold, think, and I'm in sales. Yeah, people have it. That's exactly right. I think people have a view of salespeople being like slick willy, and they have this. They're gonna pull one over on you, and I'm like, that's that's not a sale. Like that's fraud. That's not what we're talking about. It feels like, like very multi-level marketing. Yeah, right. that's yeah. not like, what sales is, right? Sales, like, yeah, sales <laughs> is the exchange of goods and services for value. Like right. that's what like, sales is, right? Me. Yeah, yeah. You know, like being desperate, and no one wants yeah. to work with someone that's desperate. Right. Yeah, I exactly think when you right. get in a and you know when you have crappy months or you know you're not doing where you, the numbers you want to do, um, I think when you get in that desperation mode too, I think your clients and your business partners can feel it. Um, and I feel like having the right mindset about going out and helping people versus like getting one over on someone uh, definitely affects your message and you know the vibe that people pick up from you. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that, you know, when, when I've coached young sales people in any industry, but especially in the technology field or the mortgage business, um, you know, after they would go to a client meeting, I would always ask like, what did the client get out of this? Well, I explained to them all of our solutions. And I'm like, okay, so you showed up and you threw up, right? All of the stuff that you regurgitated everything we trained you on. <laughs> they get out of it. Like, right questions did you ask? What guidance did you give? Because they want to do business with people who believe what they believe. They want to do business with people that are going to help them. Like right. it's not, you know, they could go to our website. They can always figure out what we do. Right. I mean, kind of. we, yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't need somebody <laughs> to show up and go, here's what we do. And we have this and features and benefits and blah, blah, blah. It's not what it's about. Right. It's, it's genuinely about um, having that discussion in, you know, based on the framework of mutual trust. And I don't think anybody wants to be sold. I think no, that, and I, I, no, not at all. And I think 
how you address your clients too. Um, we're a big believer in disc assessments. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a free widget for Google Chrome called Crystal Nose. I don't know if y'all have ever heard about it. I love it. Um, it's crystal like the girl's name or like, you know, a crystal gem. <laughs> right, <laughs> crystal, right. And then you know something. Um, you can actually take snippets from people's LinkedIn, people's emails, and it'll tell you how to open up an email to them. Um, if they want bullet points, if they need a lot of detail, kind of when you're making that first hard sell impression, it's a great way to connect really? with some real estate agents. Yeah, actually, I went to a Todd, uh, Tom Ferry summit. Um, Todd Duncan, Tom Ferry, um, sales mastery in 2017. And they had kind of told us about this little widget. So it is something I dabble in. And then my company to get hired, you have to take a disc assessment. So I just kind of compare that against my strengths and my weaknesses. Um, so, so that's the, what's that, um, widget called? Crystal nose. Crystal nose. Yep. Crystal nose and the Google widget. Uh, is that Google yep. Chrome? Yeah, it's a Chrome widget. Oh, very cool. I know Mark is looking it up right now. <laughs> I'm trying to type it we, in. Yes. We've done everything, especially in light of COVID. We did bomb, bomb, video emails. We did everything. And it mail worked. Champ, I mean, champ. middle of COVID, we were bringing in business. We were staying busy. Um, it really didn't stop for us. I mean, it slowed down or it changed a little, but it didn't really stop. And And, and it's really just continuing to adapt to everything. How, how have things changed in light of the remote workforce are, are you or the massive job losses from unemployment? What are you seeing? Has that upset, like people probably are applying for homes, but then they lose their job or something like what? How are you guys addressing some of that stuff? So I have had more borrowers that are unemployed um try to apply for a home loan obviously you have to be back from work we can't use your unemployment we can use it for an hourly average you know over the last few years whatever um but we have seen an uptick in that it hasn't really affected the volume though like i said mortgage volumes up 70 percent. that's because rates have dropped so much um you know since the whole covid thing kind of went down i mean at first it was really shaky i mean pennsylvania was completely shut down we had no real estate sales from march 13th to may 5th um, I'm mostly a purchase lender. I don't really pride my, I do do refis, but I don't, that's not it for me. Like I would never just, I like having the business relationships. I love helping people get into homes. Um, they are more excited typically when you're buying a home versus refinancing, even though right. saving is great. Um, so I had to flip my business model to all refinance. Um, and we've had one of the craziest springs ever. So, I mean, it worked, you know, just reaching out to them, you know, saying, hey, I hope you're doing well. Um, I know it's, right now it's kind of crazy. I'm expecting my first child in COVID. My husband can't even go to our doctor's appointments, you know, just kind of relating to people, um, checking in to actually see how they're doing. And a lot of people just responded, you know, or they were worried about losing their jobs. They wanted to know more about the forbearance program going on with the CARES Act and just be able to kind of give back and, um, touch base with your past clients is something that I definitely do, but it was just another great chance to do that. That's good. You were able to flex like that and pivot. That's, that's interesting. How yeah, now we're back to all purchase again, pretty much. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Can you just real briefly though, without getting too technical, can you explain what that, what the effect of that CARES Act and, and, and how that um, modification affected the process of home buying? 
Sure. So basically, in a nutshell, I'll try to water it down as much as possible because I'm not even trying to really grasp all of the different, um, you know. Caveat, this is not legal advice. Yeah, this is not. And please, if Bill Cosgrove, my CEO, is listening, I'm trying my best to stick to corporate policy on this. Okay, anyway. um, So basically, the CARES Act, you know, if you were under some kind of hardship, you can literally raise your hand and say, I don't want to make mortgage payments for the next 12 months. Um, and the way that the CARES Act was written is that all government-backed loans were going to have to be covered by the servicer for those 12 months of, you know, then you get reimbursed by the government. But that means that we're upfront paying the interest, the taxes, and the insurance on all government loans. Wow. Got it. At least with the Freddie and Fannie conventional products, the government was like, we'll spot you. You know, you're not going to be on the hook for this. I mean, it did a really wild thing to government loan pricing for a couple of months. Everything's back to kind of normal now. Um, But basically, if, you know, someone's going through financial hardship, you can raise your hand and say, I don't make my mortgage payment for the next 12 months or any credit liability. Um, So that's been kind of interesting to navigate. Like, I have people like, oh, that's my job. What do I do? I'm like, just talk to my servicing department. You know, they'll give you your options. and then in regards to buying, it's been a blessing because people can withdraw their entire retirement accounts with no penalty right now. Yep. yep. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. I've only had one client do that, though. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what's going on with the CARES Act and, and mortgage. Excellent. Excellent. So is there any person or event? I mean, you, you talked about what, what drove you as a, as, as a young girl. But is there any person or event that inspired you to kind of have this drive? I just think it's honestly like a childhood of poverty. Like, I hate to say that. Sorry, mom. Love you. Um, But poverty is just about like, it's about money. It's not like it doesn't mean mom didn't work hard. Doesn't mean mom wasn't smart. It was just it was a struggle. It was math. I mean, right? literally, yeah, it's it was wild. Like we right. ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, I could probably never eat Milo for pot roast ever again. Still yeah. um, <laughs> to this day, even though it's been about 30 years. Um, but I mean, you know, just that drive. I mean, like you were saying earlier, just never wanting to go back to that place. Um, I never want to go back to that place. My husband and I, when we first um, got together, we were on food stamps. I'm like, what am I going to do to get out of here? Like, you know, it was a brief period of our lives, but it sucked. (laughs) You know, I I definitely understand the benefit we wouldn't have eaten if we didn't have, um, you know, that available help. So I just, I feel immensely for anyone struggling. No, I, I can really relate to that. That was, it was actually at a point in around 08 when the housing market collapsed and I had to completely change career paths and get out of the mortgage industry. And I had a really dark spot. And yeah, I was, um, you know, and I think it's one of those things when you get there, you can, you got two choices. Do you just sit and wail in it and you just accept that's the way things are? Or do you say, my gosh, I really don't want this and I'm going to get out of here and I'm never coming back here. Um, so yeah, I can completely relate. Totally. So a lot of the reason that David and I do this, I think I shared this with you as well, is that we try to bring some uh, enlightenment to the path of the next business generation leaders and give them some insight or some words of wisdom or just share some thoughts. Is there anything that for maybe somebody up and coming, maybe not even in the mortgage industry, maybe just, you know, a a girl from uh, Pittsburgh that, you know, is by way of 
Germany and West Virginia. That's, <laughs> you know, what would you tell her and is making her come up? What would, what would be your advice? Um, you're going to have a lot of setbacks. It's going to happen. You're going to get fired. You're going to have someone tell you no. Um, literally when I got fired for the third time, I was like, I'm going to come in and work for free. I don't care. And I just kept coming in. So you just have to keep trusting your gut and keep pushing forward. If you know you can do something, um, just don't ever give up, you know, get knocked down seven times, stand up eight. That's, that's really it. Keep going. That's, those are great words of advice that fits for anybody in, in any situation. So you got fired three times in a year and you went back in the same industry and took a job. Same employer. The same employer and <laughs> you were that willing That's yeah, really and you cool. were willing to do that job for free just to prove that you can do it. Yeah. That's basically phenomenal. my husband was working at a coal mine at the time we were dating. He's like, I'll work overtime. I'm like, perfect, I'm going into work tomorrow, I don't care. <laughs> That's so cool. That's those are really that's now that's inspirational. That's really inspirational. Well, as we kind of wrap things up, um, I just I want to thank you one for taking the time to be with us, and two thanks for the transparency. That's um, I think our listeners have found a lot of value in that, and I, I personally appreciate it as well. It's um, it was really nice to talk with you, and you had some really good insights. And as as we do this at the end of, of every podcast, uh, our listeners kind of like to know. And I always enjoy asking it because the answers are so um, different every time I ask this question. But maybe, what did you want to be when you were a kid? What did you want to be growing up? I was one of those kids that kind of were all over the place. I know you can't <laughs> imagine, you know, that right. obviously with how all over the place I am right now. Um, but I was really into horses. I think I just wanted to like ride horses and be some rich lady when I grew up. I don't have any horses now and I'm definitely not some rich lady, but you know, I just (laughs) thought that that would always be kind of (laughs) cool. Hey, I like that outlook in life. I I can, I can have that same vision myself right now. So that's really good. Yeah. (laughs) That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, and and the show's not over, right? So you you still can get those horses. Right, right. Yeah. You still got time to get the horses. So real quick, before we wrap up, just as final parting words, what would you tell to somebody that is a younger you, right? Um, somebody that's just starting out, somebody that doesn't have, doesn't come from means, right? And somebody that is, that is starting out, um, young female, young Gen Z, um, what, what advice would you have? For, for, for them on, on ways to lead and ways to keep keep pushing through? Um, well, I hope that, you know, you're just as brave as I was, you know, reach out and grab that opportunity. You know, if it sounds too, be, too good to be true, it might be, but what are you missing out on if you stay where you're at? You know, like I slept on deflated air mattresses with no heat to get into my own first place. And sometimes you just have to do crazy things and do it while you're young and dumb. Honestly, like that's the best advice I could give you because now I don't know if I would take the same chances. Um, you know, don't be afraid. I mean, it, worst case scenario is you end up back where you are right now, but at least it's an opportunity to move forward. That's, that's excellent. Like that. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we really yeah, appreciate having you, you on. Really that was really good. All yeah. the best. All the best yeah. in your in your in your delivery, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you found out the uh, Have you found out the uh, gender? We're having a girl. Well, congratulations. Yeah, we're super excited. That's so great. You. That's fantastic. We'll have to have you back on uh, 
afterwards and uh, have you back on in a few months and see uh, see how everything's going and have you catch up with us. Oh yeah, That's and especially perfect. since yeah, you, great. yeah, especially since you agreed to, to name her after me. I really yeah, right. That's that always helps. That is really cool. <laughs> name it. It's kind of a weird girl with a girl's yeah, name, but, yeah. but it's it's, it's twenty twenty. You know, it's right, twenty twenty. Right. Things happen. You right. never know. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time. This yeah, thanks, really Katie. Inspirational. So, Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Hey, everyone. Mark and I would like to invite you to listen in on our two bonus episodes, a two-part series on the rise and fall of one of the world's most iconic brands. One man's vision where he recognizes the baby boom even before it was a term that was used. He grew an international business that was worth billions of dollars. In just a few years, it is liquidated in bankruptcy. It's not what you think. It's not due to e-commerce or anything like Amazon or other large retailers. Come listen and find out. We promise you won't be disappointed when we discuss the rise and fall of Toys R Us. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening. 